Once again, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon from whichever part of the world you're listening in from. This is Bixi once again, and I know it has been a minute, but uh, welcome to What the Fuck Africa once again, Bixi and Grania, and this is Bixi again, taking you through this episode. Okay, so a lot has been going on, actually. I mean... I've been off, uh, so much has been going on in my life. Uh, Donda, Donda came out after, after so much anticipation. As always, as always, Kanye West went overboard, but what's new there? Um, I watched the Donda event. This is kind of old, by the way, but I watched the Donda event. And, okay, so Kim wore a gown, fine. Everything was just too mysterious. There was uh, smoke machines, uh, the light effects. From the listening party to the day it was released, the whole thing looked like one satanic ritual. And I know that's biased because I'm a Christian, but um, everything, it was too eerie, but uh, it's Kanye West and people loved it. So anyway, Donda came out, um, uh, Drake released his album as well, and all that about the music industry. I'm not too avid with that line of music so i i don't have much to say there but all i can say is i listen to kanye west once in a while when i'm emotionally stable and ready for it but uh <laughs> he has some decent songs i mean like like uh <laughs> okay okay no i won't remember a song let me see let me see right right he had four five seconds with rihanna he had heartless those, those were like the, at least so like they made some sense at least not too crazy and then he had um i think it was wash us in the blood yes there's, there's a song i think it was wash us in the blood and closed on sunday uh those are those are the songs by kanye west i appreciate it at least yeah but anyways aside from that uh he's a singer he's making his money he's making big so i guess everything's going okay for him um so um, actually, I've been watching a lot of TLC. I've been watching a lot of uh, rea- documentary shows and things like that, especially following the lives of individuals. So I was watching shows about overweight people. I'm sure many people are familiar with My 600 Pound Life. It's a show that follows people who weigh over 600 pounds. And if you don't understand that metric system, that's 300 kilograms yeah and above most of them are around 400 500 uh but most are above 700 actually 800 as well so it's just a show where people go uh their weight loss journey visiting the doctors some people get surgery some people are not qualified for surgery but it shows like their struggles um with their weight how they deal with image for example, doing small things like taking a shower, walking on the street, going to the grocery store, eating at a restaurant, which they can't do. But like most of these people, they 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 are they have an eating disorder. Okay, because 
by the time you get to that weight unless you have like a thyroid problem or an underlying condition most of the time it's an eating disorder most of them are dealing with bed binge eating disorder so people consume um over 4000 calories a day um because most they don't have control over the amount of food they're eating or because they're living with enablers right enablers like um spouses for example actually i just discovered a fetish called feederism i did not know that was a thing so apparently people are sexually attracted to obese people but that's not all they are also they also find it erotic to feed and make them even fatter i think that that's really really sick actually yeah it's actually a thing actually yes people actually feed their partners on uh, oily foods and uh, junk food just to make them fatter and one man said and i quote immobility is erotic <laughs> okay so fetishes i mean you have to admit fetishes have gone too far like i think it's a fetish for every i just found out that there's a ketchup fetish that took the cake for me people are just finding weird people are actually coming up with the weirdest things to defend their sexualities and things like that but i don't know <laughs> i don't know anyways um <laughs> so um back to this um body image thing so body dysmorphia it comes in different ways right there's anorexia some people are anorexic uh that's actually very unfortunate it's mostly like a mental disorder where people feel the need to be extremely extremely skinny deprive themselves of food do all kinds of extreme things like uh swallowing cotton to fill their stomachs up and practicing extreme extreme resilience but then about the binge eating disorder i noticed a pattern among all the people who are on this show right so the people were most of them blamed others for the way they looked like but then after watching those those shows those documentaries i also watched uh, um i also watched this other documentary about obese people who are embracing their obesity so here's the thing we all like lizzo right i'm i'm sorry but i have to talk about lizzo see lizzo the, the thing about lizzo is lizzo has made it very clear that she does not want to be celebrated or called brave because she's loving herself so lizzo will take a big a, a bikini picture right expose her thighs her this and that her back fat people have insecurities about that but i've not seen lizzo at any one point advocating obesity but most of these documentaries people are saying i'm fat and proud i'm fat and proud i'm fat and, which is okay by the way i think it's really okay it's like um i'm black and proud um i don't know whatever you identify with people have so many identities but we also have to look at the underlying factor which is that is this not like actually advocating obesity because for example um this one lady she started a salon like a parlor which was only for plus size women and you go you get your nails done you get your hair done at a place where there are other women looking like you who are super plus size and it was a way of making women feel that they can also be beautiful and things like that but um 
we need to we need to realize that I'm not advocating bullying or any kind of talk that makes someone feel less because of the way they appear but you need to feel uncomfortable to get out of your comfort zone if you understand what I'm saying society is harsh fact that's a fact society can be really really judgmental they'll be oh you're too skinny oh you're too fat you're too black you're too light you're too this and that but apart from the things you cannot change for example if someone tells you you're too black don't go bleach yourself no if someone tells you you're too light skin you don't change your pigmentation right but then when someone tells you you're too fat that's it can come in two ways right it can come in a way to make you feel bad about yourself and also in a constructive way um not everyone is good at delivering criticism some people deliver it harshly but with good intent but it all comes down to the reception of criticism you need to understand that if you're being bullied about being black you can you you feel bad about it but there's nothing you can change about it right if you're being bullied for being short for being tall there's nothing you can change about that but if society makes you feel uncomfortable about being obese you're going to feel obviously it has serious psychological effects but i still feel like it's necessary to have just a little bit of discomfort to drive you to um eat healthier live a healthier lifestyle and things like that but um if we are living in a society where we are slowly but surely advocating and normalizing obesity last year over 2.8 million people died from obesity and obesity related diseases you're opening up a way to diabetes to heart disease uh to all those complications immobility you can be bedridden a woman was bedridden for two years two years because of food and i know we've reached a point where everyone in the world is being sensitive by the way like we can't even make jokes anymore your twitter if you want to make a joke you're going to become a trend and then people are going to attack you about being insensitive and all that but we also need to accept that while we are trying to make everyone feel acceptable in society we need to raise awareness about important things we need to open the bigger discussion and say look there's nothing wrong with you being obese doesn't make you less of a person it doesn't make you not beautiful or whatever society has told you it doesn't make you a well a hippo i don't know what they're calling people these days but you also need to know that a healthy lifestyle is important and it's very important to live healthy i think that's the kind of message we should be sending out instead of sending a message that um over overweight and proud overweight and beautiful you can be overweight and beautiful but you can also be healthy and beautiful and that's what we need to say because people are in positions not because they can control them i don't think there's anyone out there who says okay now i want to be fat so i'm going to eat myself to death no i think people go there because of trauma depression is a very big factor as well some people get depressed um some people but it's mostly like trauma and then other people do use it as a coping mechanism like there's too much shit going on in your life pardon my language and then um you turn to food as a coping mechanism 
as a way to compensate for your inadequacies elsewhere in your life. And then it turns into a habit and then into a habit you cannot break. But um, also, it's very important to know that even if it's a habit, even if it's who you have become and a part of you, it's also important to know that you can seek help. And I think that's very important. It's instead of, I think fat spiration is very disgusting or fat sport as the kids are calling it these days, where girls opt to look at fat people to feel better about themselves or to feel like they need to get skinny so they don't get to that point. I think it's not okay to parade them, to clown them, to make them look like freaks on a circus show uh, just to get views. That, that, that's, that, that's the truth. I don't think that's okay. But I think it's also not okay to create a movement and to put ideas in society's mind that's making it look like heart disease, diabetes is sexy, cholesterol can kill you people. It's okay to, I'm not saying you have to live a restrictive diet. You don't have to be a vegan. No, you don't have to be a vegetarian. You don't have to live a life of denial. But it's important to care about things like proportions, for example, exercise. Exercise is not very convenient for everyone. For example, things like jogging and running. Some people don't really want to do that because it makes them feel like people are staring at them and all that. But um, I still think that we can embrace a healthier lifestyle. I just I, That really stood out for me. I've talked about this for a long time because I felt really, really affected by it. I've been closely following this, especially this feederism thing. I, I think it's really disgusting. Um, yeah, you're going to say it's not my place to judge people's decisions in life, but you wouldn't say the same about pedophilia. Uh, deviations exist, things happen, people are born like that. That doesn't make it any less disgusting, is all I'm saying. Because a snake is born as a snake doesn't mean we should kiss it and hug it and say it was born like that. It can't change. And the snake is beautiful. It's going to bite you. Yeah, and then you're going to die if it's poisonous. If it's a constrictor, it's going to kill you in, the, in your sleep. When you embrace a snake, it doesn't make it any less of a snake, is all I'm saying. When you want to normalize pedophilia by ridiculous ideologies like trans age, that's a thing now. People can change their age, actually. Someone can say, I identify as a 40-year-old. That's insane. If people can identify, I have no problem with people changing their gender. Fine. If you feel like you're always meant to be a woman, change. If you feel like you want to, you're always meant to be a man, you can also do that as well. But trans age is really, really, it's up for question. Because if a 10-year-old identifies as a 40-year-old, okay, and then an 8-year-old man identifies as a 50-year-old, this has already ruled out pedophilia as a case. If this 10-year-old is raped, and you're advocating trans age, you don't even have an argument in court because this person is an adult. The age of consent is 18. So, I don't know. I think federalism is really gross, and that's the truth. I think it's not okay to, um, to lead someone else to their grave just to feel better about yourself. I think enabling needs to stop. Um, I think we all need to look out for each other, embrace a healthy lifestyle, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and all that. So, um, that aside, but that was really important. But that aside, so Money Heist came out. 
Money Heist is out. I really liked it. As always, it did not disappoint. Um, so the whole show was it was amazing as expected. Berlin delivered, Alicia delivered, everyone delivered. Um Gandia was being I like Gandia is like <laughs> vulgar for no reason. But that was that's what makes the show. He's like the only serious antagonist. Because not even the police, not even the government puts on that much of a fight. I think it was really necessary to have an antagonist on the inside. Um in the bank. Yeah. Yes, so relationship talk. Um, a specific quote stood out for me. And I've been obsessed with it for such a long time because it made so much sense. So this is what the quote says. In matters of the heart, there is always the lover and the beloved. The lover lives with full passion, romanticism and full commitment while the beloved is too busy being idolized. I'm going to read that again. In matters of the heart, there's always the lover and the beloved. The lover lives with full passion, romanticism, and full commitment, while the beloved is too busy being idolized. Let that sink in. I think it's really important to ask yourself, who am I in whatever relationship you're having? This is not restricted to, um, it doesn't have to be sexual, no. It doesn't have to be someone you're attracted to in that way. It can be agape, right? So it can be a mother-daughter relationship. It can be a best friend relationship. It can also be a boyfriend-girlfriend, girlfriend-girlfriend, boyfriend-boyfriend. I don't know what's happening these days. So, but you need to ask yourself, who am I? Am I the lover? Or am I, am I the beloved? Um, so being the beloved is just the best thing ever. Uh, but how many people are lucky enough to be the beloved? Most people I know at least are the lovers. And we, we all know lovers out there. We all know this person who is like, I love him with all my heart. Who is uh, very expressional. With all his gestures. You're the one who buys all the gifts. You... Um, you show this person with love, tell them every day, every day, I love you so much. You're open, right? You want to tell them everything. You want to say, this happened at work today. This happened at school today. I can't believe my mom said this to me. My sister said this to me. My best friend said this to me. Then the beloved, the beloved has made it, right? The beloved is just there to love, to be loved, actually. That's their role, to be loved. So um, the beloved simply has to exist right in most in most uh, cases i was reading a poem called song by lady martha roth 
Mary Roth, sorry. And um, it made a lot of sense. She, it was a juxtaposition of love as a child, uh, how a child can show ingratitude to their parents. Now, the more you love them, the more disobedient they are, this and that. I'm not quoting verbatim, but something along that line. So um, it's very important to know if you're the lover or the beloved. Most likely, I guarantee you, you're the lover. But that's okay. It's okay to be... It's okay to be a romantic. It's okay to be devoted. It's okay to be passionate. You can be passionate about whoever it is that you love the most at this particular moment in time. But then, as you're being the lover, you need to keep yourself. Don't lose yourself because you're too busy being the lover. Because the beloved, most of the time, the beloved is not doing what you're doing, right? As you're saying, this happened at work. This happened at school. Um, I got this new job. The beloved will not say anything unless you ask them. And not because they don't love you. No. They just don't love you in the same amounts as you do. Some people are just not expressive, but some people just plain don't love you the way you do. And you need to come to terms with reality. It's very important to make reality your best friend. And to realize that there's a difference between being a pessimist and a realist. And once you cross that line, and you know, uh, actually, the line is very blurry. Because when you're being a realist, I'm going to call you a pessimist. But then you have to be honest with yourself. Um, being a lover sucks. <laughs> it sucks, actually. Being a, a beloved is the best. But um, anyway, you do you. Uh, if you want to be the lover, if you want to be passionate. I don't know. Maybe the person is not as expressive as you are. But most likely, they just don't love you in the same amount. Or not in that way. But it's okay. I think it's really okay. But uh, relationship advice from someone who has not had any serious relationships. All I can say is don't lose yourself. And don't change anything for anybody. You're perfect the way you are. Okay, welcome to this brand new segment called the Greek Mythology Moment. I'm very passionate about Greek mythology, so I'll be sharing a Greek a story from Greek mythology every week with you guys. And um, it's just for fun. I'm not trying to influence anyone's beliefs. I just think it's a really, really rich uh, history that the Greek people have. And um, I hope you enjoy this. I'm going to be telling the infamous story of Cupid, the god of love and Psyche. Okay, so the story of Cupid and Psyche goes like this. So you need to know that Cupid is the god of love. I'm sure you've seen him somewhere. Um, usually he's depicted as an angel, sorry, as a cherub. That's like a baby angel with an arrow and a bow. And Cupid, by the way, was the most feared god on Mount Olympus. And they nicknamed him the beast because love was such a powerful thing 
that it made people do things that they thought they would um, never do. So Cupid was the god of love, is the god of love anyways. So Psyche, um, Psyche was, the, was considered during her time to be the most beautiful woman that ever walked the earth. But because of her excessive beauty, men were intimidated by her and by, intimidated by it. And consequently, she never received any marriage proposal. Unlike her sisters who were married off. So it, Psyche became uh, very distressed about this and very distraught that she decided to end her own life. So Psyche went. And at this point, all the gods on Mount Olympus had noticed her beauty. But they, okay, the gods had the liberty uh, to engage with the mortals. But Psyche was so sacred and so beautiful that no other god actually engaged with her. So Psyche went, uh, she threw herself off a cliff, but instead of falling to her death, a mystic wind carried her to a faraway castle. And in this castle, similar to the famous story of Beauty and the Beast, uh, it was enchanted, right? There were uh, talking candles, talking walls, and things like that, but the owner of the house was not around. But Psyche found herself in this castle with all these items at her service, basically. And she asked them who the owner of the house was, but they, they weren't, either they weren't able to disclose it or they didn't know it themselves. So that night, Psyche was visited by Cupid, the god himself. And Cupid fell in love with her, and she fell in love with him. But she had never seen his face. Because Cupid only used to visit her at night, and they would well, they would share a bed every night. It went on like that, but his rule was simple. She was not allowed to see his face. And every single time Cupid would come to the room, uh, the lights would go out. And then by sunrise, he'd be gone. And it went on for quite some time. And Psyche, as much as she was in love, she missed her family, she missed her sisters and things like that. So one night she requested Cupid that her sisters be allowed to visit her. So um, her sisters came over to visit and they were very materialistic. So they were taken in by the beauty of the castle and things like that. And then they made inquiries about Psyche and who she was staying with. And they were alarmed to know that she had her, all this at her disposal and probably married to this mysterious man and she didn't know who he was. So they told, they convinced her that the next time he comes to visit, she needs to steal a glance and look at him because she might have married a beast and she doesn't know. So Psyche was concerned and decided to follow through with her sister's advice. So Psyche, that night, Cupid came to visit her. And when they were done, when they were done, um, well, making love and all that, and he was sleeping, she reached under her bed and she got out this candle. And she shone it in his face and she froze because he was the most beautiful or handsome person she had ever seen in her entire life. So as she, st as she stayed there frozen in awe and wonder, uh, wax melted off the candle and burnt Cupid on his back. So he, uh, he stirred from his sleep and he was so angry, he was enraged and he felt like he was betrayed by Psyche. So he flew away into the night never to return again. And that's how Psyche's marriage ended. But at that time, Psyche was with child. And Cupid's mother, Aphrodite, the goddess of love, sorry, the goddess of beauty, 
decided to punish Psyche. But not, no, no, notwithstanding, Psyche was pregnant with Cupid's child. So after Psyche had served her punishment, she then went back to live with Cupid at a later stage. But um, to this day, the Greek believed or believed that the bands on Cupid's back stung as a reminder of the price people pay for love. And in that way, Cupid was so callous a god that it's believed that in the beginning, a human being was created with eight limbs. But just to have fun, Cupid split the human being into two and each with four limbs. So that's why human beings spend their entire lives trying to find their soulmate, who is actually the other half they were separated from. But, um, <laughs> okay, most people, a very big percentage of people die without ever meeting their soulmate, and that's the truth. But most people take the convenient way out, which is convincing yourself that you've found your soulmate and that kind of thing. So that was today's Greek mythology moment, the story of Cupid and Psyche. I hope you loved it. That was all for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and catch you next week. This is What the Fuck Africa. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, follow us on our socials, etc. etc. Bye. <laughs>